Welcome to today's Minnesotan Hockey Podcast. If you haven't already, do yourself a favor and check out the Minnesotan. You can visit their flagship store in historic downtown White Bear Lake or on the web at theminnesotan.com. On today's show, we sit down with Cal Dietz, the strength and conditioning coordinator, coach for the University of Minnesota men's and women's hockey teams. Cal is a very bright individual and has trained tons and tons of players. I can't wait to have him outlay all the different uh, titles, uh, Big Ten and national titles that he's been a part of at the University of Minnesota. Uh, His personal life and all the things that he's done in the training uh, field, it's going to be an exciting and awesome show. I hope you enjoy it. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, good afternoon, Mr. Dietz. How are you doing today? Tony, I'm doing great and glad to be here and happy to... uh, to share some of my coaching experiences with you and I'm pretty excited about the podcast and hopefully give people a look into some insight of kind of what uh what I the way I think and when they see me they can run or or stare or whatever after this I'm sure people will enjoy it either way so. well it's gonna be great I, we met last summer your son Brody played in the Bantam Elite League and I think we kind of hit it off there and then we spent some time on the phone getting ready for this this isn't your traditional podcast uh your your career path is really really cool and really exciting to all the people that you've touched and all the people that have gotten back to me about working with you it's been I'm very excited about this show probably a little bit more than the average show and and uh, I know you won't disappoint well thank you I appreciate that uh okay let's walk through kind of who Cal Dietz is uh most hockey people played hockey and uh can you even skate I wonder if can you even skate um according to my son and wife no you know obviously (laughs) so um I I he would uh he would get on the ice and, and just mess with me. So at that point I was like, I'm done skating with you. Uh, my son Brody, he's right. At point, right. So no. All right. So, and, and, and which, which kind of brings in a kind of interesting element. So it, it immediately thinks non-hockey people, people think of not hockey people think of non-hockey people who can't skate as non-hockey people. Right. But you're quite the hockey guy, but it didn't start off that way. You grew up in Ohio. Where'd you grow up in Ohio? I grew up um, north central, like basically in dead center of the state, an hour from the lake, which would be obviously Lake Erie up there. It's just known as the lake. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's football country. Uh, I grew up in a town of 10,000 people, and I literally played in front of 10,000 people um, a few nights. No way. Yeah. And it's a big deal, you know, where I would go to high school games in this area and there's a few hundred people or maybe a couple thousand in a town of 15,000. I'm, I'm going, where, where's everybody at? It's just, it's just kind of not like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Football's not focused in, in Ohio. It's the thing to do. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, literally, and, and you start to understand that as a culture, it's like the hockey culture here, you know, it's, yeah. Like, it's, it's the it's what people you know and it's you know wrestling was almost the same way um from the mental toughness part or or you know just the blue collar area i grew up in and 
in Ohio is known for wrestling. Western Pennsylvania, where my my like my I tell people my grandmother came out of, and that that uh, and more world champions. I believe at some point they did a a study where there's more world champion wrestlers out of Western Pennsylvania, and you you got to go why? And I think it's more the coal miner mentality of the yeah. mental toughness. You know what I mean? Um, those are the type of people that are there, and then wrestling is just a mentally tough, brutal sport. Um, but yeah, that's where I grew up in Ohio. Um, you know, blue collar, work hard. Never saw my dad not working. You know, uh, pretty much. You know, a a great. I, I put it this way. I think I was in a household where I had it, they they tried to be as strict as they could with me, but I needed that. I needed that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. As a young kid, because I was I'd hit the ground running at five in the morning wake up and, and just terrorize things so i mean it was it was a much needed i mean i i feel bad honestly i think back after my children um with karn and i are, are blessed and compared to my mother i mean i should probably pay for counseling for her i feel like i should some do something like that right 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 <laughs> you know just just terrorizing stuff so it was uh and i had cousins to help so it was uh it was pretty awesome i had a great childhood from that perspective so you grew up uh, both, a, a, you, you said already, a football player, wrestler. You went on and you played Division One football and wrestled Division Two. So you were a two-sport athlete. That's kind of even, That's back then that was pretty tough, and especially today. It'd be yeah, hard to University do. Of, yeah, it's the University of Finley. I didn't realize how hard it was because it was just, there was just no question. I had the ability, and, you know, with football was my, my passion. I, I played the University of Finley and wrestled there. And you're like, um, I, I, we, so my, I walk in my freshman year and, and, uh, I was part of a coach that, that won five national titles. He's in the hall of fame for college football coaches, Dick Strom. And I saw a structure and a organization and a, a leadership thing. Like I, I think people often mistake management. People will manage teams, right? But coach led teams and and I'm not kidding you. I was a, at one point I was at 300 and and uh, you know or probably 295 at one point benching close to five or 500 pounds. And this old man still made me nervous when I talked to him because of the respect that I had for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I'm I'm like there's there's nothing this man could physically do to me. But the respect, I still would get nervous. Even when I was a senior captain, I walk in as a freshman, I respected him, I understood it. And the way he orchestrated the program, the senior leadership. And he took a bunch of rough guys because we had a lot of D1 transfers that would come in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kids that would get thrown out of other schools and he would manage them there. And it was the sheer leadership and structure that he had in place a lot of mil. I'm not, you know, a lot of these people in leadership nowadays. It's just really watered down military structure. Right. Leadership. You know what I mean? They just put their spins on it. But when you have a bunch of young men who, to some level, are warriors. I mean, they're willing to go out into that arena and and become extremely violent. And to be able to harness them and and hold them accountable, that's what he did. So I was very fortunate as a freshman to see that. Then I was very fortunate. I felt honored to be a senior captain for him. You now, know what I mean? What did you when you wrestle? What weight did you wrestle at? Yeah, I wrestled heavyweight. Yeah, I was gonna I say you were a big boy, cut right? Some weight to make the heavyweight times. So I get out of football, and then I I had to cut weight to make the wrestling. 
Right. So yeah. Um, is siblings growing up, any brothers, sisters? Yeah, I had uh, one brother. Uh, he's a couple years younger than me. Uh, he wasn't in athletics as much. Uh, he's still in the same hometown with my mother. And yeah, he, he was this great part of my life. Just him and I had our orneriness together, had our fights, you know, typical brother. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. It was awesome. I mean, I, I honestly he probably kept me out of trouble because I would have got into more trouble if him and I weren't doing something together. You know what I mean? Right. So it's one of right. those. Yeah, just cherished uh you think back and you know during you know and, and parenting was a little different back then but uh i think it was a perfect time for me to be raised because they could have they managed me well to say the least now you're talking about your parents what were their vocation your mom stayed home dad worked what would your dad do yeah my my dad basically uh a trucking company um and a truck driver part-time with that company but he ran a trucking farming company um lead mechanic kind of did everything for him and then you know, my mom, once once we were old enough and in school, she, she wanted to get a job that coincided with the, the school day and so forth. So she became a bus driver at that point, you know, and uh, so she could have the summers off and, you know, watch the kids, you know, during the day. And then, I mean, I had a background uh, in-ground pool when I was young and there'd be days where there'd be 20 kids over there with, you know, five or six moms. They'd all be lifeguarding, basically. Right. And, you know what I mean? Because it was, a, it was awesome. I'm literally 20 kids. It was it was a fun time, you know. I had a good time. So, yeah. so you went on to Finley, and I think you guys you had some success there. Uh, whether it was you personally had some world yeah. decorated, your teams do well too. Yeah, I mean, I I won three national titles, uh, two in football, and then one in wrestling. And individually think, wrestling, or uh, it was a team one. Team was okay. Uh, cool. I won the national duels uh, had some success there. I uh, was considered the athlete of the year you know i won that honor my senior year stud uh for the nation yeah the athlete of the year for the nation in that division and the you know the, the thing was i saw two different programs i saw a program that was established with my you know football coach who was and then i saw the wrestling coach who who basically started the program it was nothing wasn't considered anything good and i was fortunate to be a part of john jeff Iyer and his ability to see the team together and we won a national title my my junior year you know as a group and, and you're talking about a bunch of people that you know when you talk about a wrestling team and the mentality like there's some camaraderie built through suffering and wrestling teams seem to have some huge camaraderie and and i always wondered why more than than some other teams or teams that didn't work as hard together you know what i mean right um and that misery when i say misery i mean some of the workouts would be considered abuse now. And you, if, if you had any issues that we probably had back then, you might be, oh, you would, if you put a normal athlete through that, you, you would probably have some rhabdo, which is a muscle breakdown tissue problem that, that affects the kidneys. Yeah. And you would, you'd be in trouble. However, with wrestling <laughs> team, they're, they're so in shape that you don't get those cases, right? Yeah. So I'm saying you might get a problem with a let's say you, you try to do this to attract kid which i mean it depends who but they're in shape but that type of workout you know or let's say it was a shot putter or a golfer or a tennis player maybe and not that they're not in shape but that type of workout would have destroyed the muscle but it doesn't do that as much with the wrestler because they're in such overall general shape it's crazy right so yeah it was a so i saw a different perspective and to be successful and different management and leadership. And it was just an amazing experience for me to get into the coaching field. Right. That was how many times did you watch the movie vision quest when you were growing up? Yeah, I was pretty motivating, right? A few <laughs> other, you know, a few other classic, like 
Rocky Four. <laughs> right. I mean, yes, I, that I, one too. Right. I mean, I and I, you know, with Drago, and I think it actually ended the Cold War, in my opinion, but it's not realistic. I think it was oil, but right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, it's awesome. It was, uh, it, yeah. So it was a great experience. What did you study in college? What was your major? What was your? What did you want to be when you were exiting school? Well, my intention was to be a college coach or a coach, really educator. I, I studied education, and it gave me a good, a good diverse background from the multiple intelligence to because I, I I saw that well, I there's different ways people learn, and then you know our coaches actually kind of taught that way. So you show them, you, you run through drills, and you feel it, uh, kinesthetic awareness, why you do, the, you know. So there was a lot of carryover between coaching and education and that's really all you are as a coach is you're an educator right you're just educating in something very specific physical quality right so you know that perspective in regards to it, it, they, they both overlapped well and I, I just had this passion for sports and to compete and honestly um maybe you get into this later but you know when i i, uh, I did interview at the new england patriots and and uh, I was out there a couple times and then I had an interview with Bill Belichick and, you know, we talk about, he's like, why'd you get into coaching? And I was like, coach, and this is Bill Belichick, mind you, yeah, right? Bill Belichick, the Bill Belichick. <laughs> right. I have so much respect for it and it didn't work out that I, I went out there, but, um, but you're, you're sitting here, you're going, coach, I wanted to walk into arena and know that I'm so prepared that you that I look at the other team and say, you just can't beat me today. You just can't beat me. There's no way. Right. And that's what I said. That's what I, that's what drives me. You know what I mean? As a player, I looked, I loved looking across there and know that you have this guy beat, you have this team beat, you know, and, uh, and he told me a similar story. I, I won't use the other team's names and things, but yeah, it was pretty impressive. You know, he said the same thing. He's like, um, He's like, yeah, Cal, we were playing such and such team. And, and uh, I looked across sidelines at third quarters, like, you just can't win today because, and they were a good team. He's like, because I knew everything that you were going to do. Yeah. Right? And, and there's a reason that, it, that he wins is because, I mean, when I was chatting with him during the course of a, a couple times, there was an amazing amount of information in his head. And he asked questions that he had, like, about sports science. Right. That I was I was there to do basically um, for him if, if if everything worked out that he had no business knowing about as a head coach. Right. And he knew about and it. I, and he knew about it. And he asked that question. And I was like, oh, this is why this man is that good. Yeah. Yeah. No I question mean, about it. Real quick. I mean, I have an intern that worked for me, actually an assistant. He was out at, at he, uh, Bill was playing on the West Coast. I forget what team, but he, I think it was UCLA or well, my intern was at UCLA and Bill wanted to lift and he needed a place. So he, on Sunday morning, he, the, the college, he called the college, somebody did. And, and the strength coach actually went with him, but in the, he's like, well, what do you do here, son? And he's like, well, I work with the synchronized swimming team. And he asked detailed questions about how the synchronized swimming team trains. Yeah. I believe it. Why? It's like, okay. This is amazing, right? That you, you can see why somebody wins like that. It is yeah. not a mistake. Yeah, it wasn't a mistake. That's for sure. All right, so here's a question for you. Um, when you were in college, is there a class that you took that you thought, oh, I'm going to hate this class, and then when it was over, you turned out loving it? Yeah, it would have been uh, biomechanics, right? So, and, and the reason biomechanics stuck with me, and, and I, I dig into physiology 
um, a lot now from the perspective of sports, but the biomechanics, everyone hated it. Right. But it actually, I began to realize where I, I thought differently because it's more of a physics based and, you know, people say, well, you either like physics or like chemistry and this is kind of how you think, which is true. And I think more physics like, right. So I, I need theories and understand why something happens. And when I hear that, like it just falls into place. So literally biomechanics, I, I began to realize like I didn't even need to study for the test and I got an A and there's only three A's in it. And I was like the first class that was that hard that I didn't actually study. I just listened to every lecture. I was good enough. Oh, right? was so easy. yeah, it was so absolute shocking to me. And man, I'm like, why can't they all be like this? And I don't even know if the teacher was that good. I, I mean, she was fine, but I didn't think she did anything over, you know what I mean? Over some great method of teaching. Um, she delivered it well, but I was like, wow, this is, this isn't, this is easy. I, I enjoy this. All right. So I'm imagine, this is what I imagine. I imagine this, you probably had a beard. You probably had long red hair. Uh, you were a beast of an athlete, not exactly the prototypical academian. Um, and a lot of guys, did, did people think of you as an academia, someone who was an academic back then, or did they, did you get maybe labeled as a dumb jock? Um, you know what? I don't, yeah, maybe I did. Um, you would ask people now back then, like what's Caldeeds doing now? And they're like, oh, he's probably a O-line coach, you know, <laughs> chewing and, and, uh, you know, I didn't chew back then, but he's like, yeah, no, just a classic O-line coach. Yep. Uh, if you don't know yes. me, right? Yes. Right. And, uh. And, you know, the academic part, you're like, I, you know, I guess my, I would have been labeled, like, people were shocked at how aggressive they heard I was in sports because, you know, I walk around campus, I would talk to everybody, I enjoyed it. The secretaries were like, I was serious about you on the football field and, and you're, there's, that's not you. This I'm is like, my point. This is my yeah, point. Right? The guy on the football field, I'm imagining, and then the guy in the classroom, it's like two different people. It's yeah, like, almost like Clark Kent Superman kind of thing, right? Right, and yeah, I mean, I I enjoy people, I enjoy interactions, and I, you know, I love chatting with people. But when it came time to play, I I took it seriously, you know. And there was a there was a switch, and it just it increased the level of violence, you know, like right, um, you know, and and when you know, I can remember being, you know, I, I was fortunate to be a two time all American in, in the football team and a leader. And I, I'm sitting here, you know, I'm in the middle of a heavy game and we're smash mouthing and, and I mean, equipment's getting broke face masks, you know, clips are getting broke. And you're like, you, you look up and that, the running backs running beside you, you just took a guy out and you're like, man, this is my kind of party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah. That's the fun stuff, right? You're just like, yeah, that's, and then, you know, when you're off the field, you know, be a gentleman. And that's, you know, that's, that's, you know, I was fortunate, I guess, fortunate to have an outlet in sports. Right. So I could do that. You know, I love practice every day because I could go like, and I tried not to be cheap. And, but I, I would go literally, you know, have fun and blow people up. That's what I enjoyed. So the, the reason I am asking all this academia stuff is you are an academic, whether you would admit it or anyone would clarify that, because one of my definitions of an academic is writing a textbook um, and, and people actually reading it. You know, so one thing to write one, but actually reading it. And your book, tri, the Triphasic, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Triphasic. Yeah. Triphasic is something that's literally it's almost it's it's a, it's an issued book and in your field and people look to you in your field as a leader in that field i'd like to know more what that felt like when when that book 
after all the research that you guys did and put that book together, how good it felt to actually get it published and actually people to read it and follow it. Yeah, I, it kind of grew, you know, once we published it, I never, I didn't even use a publisher. I just self-published, right? So, um, and I, you know, normally I, they were going to offer me five or 10% because the first time author. And right. I was like, well, I can get 90%. I'll publish it myself. <laughs> and if I sell, you know, 10 to one, I'll be fine. I'll still make the same money. And right. Well, fortunately, yes. Uh, when it, when I completed that, I was like, okay, this is, I, it was a proud moment. And and I gotta be honest with you, Ben, Ben Peterson, the, the PhD, Ben is now, he did his PhD to you. He interned with me. He is now the director of human performance. Just got hired by the San Francisco 49ers the year, this year that they turned the team around, went to the Super Bowl. He was previously that at the um, Philadelphia Flyers. And Ben, you know, when I identified Ben, when I saw him, we, we actually hung out. He, he learned my system for a couple of years. And then I saw him write something and I was just mind blown because he has a skill set right so i'm like ben i'm thinking about writing this book do you want to co-author with me and he was like sure and and he he ripped it out and i why he was doing his phd impressive right and he's got his phd in about two and a half years really so he was just very task oriented yeah and he threw a threw a threw a top selling book in the field in there while i was getting his, and we actually told nobody about the the book right right like literally because I, you know, the stigma, and I, I, so I'll be honest with you, I didn't write it, but he understood the stories, he understood what I was saying, and I would, we talked through things, and I had stuff, some stuff I already wrote, but he, and, and you know, the, so we didn't, you know, the stigma of like, well, I didn't want to tell people I was writing a book, because then maybe I wouldn't be considered doing my job at the university. Right, so you kind of kept to go underground, right? I, I kept it quiet, and then I released it, didn't tell anybody. And then literally there's a couple of times where a coach would come up to me, Hey Cal, you know, I was on a message board and I heard about this triphasic training that coaches were using. Right. And it was literally one of our, one of our track coaches said this to me. He was like, yeah, I, I heard about that. Have you ever read it? It was on a message board. I'm like, coach, you know what? I, I think last year, the big 10 track championships track champion did that book or did that method. He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. Who was that? And he's like, Oh, wait a minute, we, we were the champs. I said, yeah. So then the next day, I literally walk in and I hand the book to him and I signed a copy. Right? Yeah. And he looked at it and my name was on it. He's like, you're kidding me. And I was like, nope, nope. That had me. to make your day though, right? <laughs> that was funny. It was absolutely funny. Yeah. Well, it, and that would get a lot of coaches in the field because coaches will get questioned, right? Right. And it was awesome because coaches feel threatened. When, hey, what about this method that you're not doing? That's what coach correct. If coach, right. Yes. And I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I will look into it. You know. Well, I actually wrote the book that time, so it was just one of those deals where you were just like, this is fitting for me. as a coach. I, I I never felt threatened or anything with the coach that I was working with, but like this was so funny and fitting. It was great. That's perfect. Yeah. So, right. So let's talk about the book a little bit. There's what triphasic is. There are three phases, right? Uh, yeah, of the yeah. training process, and I, I I understand it to some degree at high level there's the eccentric phase tell us what that means yeah so the book i i realized that when like tom brady throws a football he, he jerks it back and there's three parts and then he throws it and there's three parts of that movement and the eccentric part is when um on a slap shot like when you go to do a slap shot in hockey you wind up backwards right mm -hmm. so that's the eccentric part of the movement so you're actually stretching the muscle so kind that, of coiling, right? 
calling it. That's exactly it. Because the tissue and the tendons involved are kind of two different springs. Right. And they're working together. So, and then there's a brief pause to reverse that movement. So the muscle contracts because if it's lengthening, then it's got to contract. So there's a brief pause. And it's, that's the, that's the second phase, which is called isometric. Really? And then, yeah. And then slow the down, final, slow down. So, yep, so, yep, so, yep. so I, I don't get it. So there's one entire phase dedicated to pausing. Yes. Really? Yes. Yes. So even like because, on a skating stride, I suppose there's a pause too, isn't there? There's Very a short pause, but there's a pause, brief, right? A brief moment. Yes. Where if the muscle, so if the muscle goes from lengthening back to shortening, there's a pause in that. Yes. Well, well physics will tell you that, right? So if, if, a, if something has to come back in the reverse direction, it has to actually pause because there's no rounding. Right. Okay. All right. So that's the second phase, which All is right. a phase where you get really strong. And then the third phase is the movement that everybody sees to cause the puck to go in know, the net, to go in the net, to go forward, the stick to go forward, to strike the puck for Tom Brady to throw the ball forward. And then what I did was I just take two weeks to focus on each of those three phases. Now the concentric, the last one is basically everybody does it all the time, but it's the eccentric like the, the phase where, so in the squat, it would be your, or the bench press, let's use the bench, everybody knows that, where you're, you're, you pick the weight up and you're yep. actually lowering it down slow and controlled with heavy load. Yep. And you're actually focusing on that block. And then you do that for two weeks whenever you bench. And then the next two weeks, you basically bring the bar down and you hold it for, for like three or four seconds at a time. And then you press it up and then you do it again. So this is triphasic. And yes, I've had housewives email me say, Hey, I love this triphasic stuff. My trainer put it through. I, then I bought your book. I got results, right? I've had Olympic and, and I've trained Olympic world champions with the method, right? I have right. various, of them. They, you know, David Plummer and swimming. Um, but, but you're going and, and other coaches across the world say, thank you so much for these things that you shared because we set a world record here and different sports from, from powerlifting. And, and people think, okay, this sounds like a sports specific movement. So the problem here, there is, it's not sports specific. Like it trains you so hard that it'll actually make my track kids slower. My hockey kids slower at first. Right. Yeah. But what happens is once you're done with that and all the qualities then come together, you become extremely fast faster yeah okay now where i developed triphasic years ago truly developed it was in the track and field and swimming sports right okay. because here's why everything's measurable yeah right? well, well, it's, and those are different and the beauty of those sports is you have different speeds it's not all 40 meter dash type stuff there are long right? distance swimmers there's long distance yep. runners all right continue sorry i just want to make yeah, sure that, yeah exactly. it's important so, to know so if people understand that when i like i look at each workout as a biological experiment so if you've done if you do the math on my years of coaching i wrote 27 programs a month for 12 teams for a decade I did an estimate one day. I, I had, and, and look, triphasic's not just Caldeets, right? Right. Triphasic is 30 assistants, hundreds of interns asking questions to develop it, and thousands of plus athletes in the feedback, right? Right. And each of those athletes went through workouts, and we roughly estimate quarter million 
workouts over 20 some years to develop this. And people are like, well, how'd you come up with it? Blah, blah, blah. But it's like each, each workout to me now is a biological experiment. I'm sure it is. Yes. Because now, I mean, I've, you know, how I develop, I, I invested in myself. I have equipment. So for example, I have this one device that, that analyzes brain and heart waves, the brain and the heart, the way that it beats and it puts them together and it makes assumptions on various systems throughout the body. So I've actually worked athletes out and measured them with this seven times to watch how each system changes during the day from that particular workout. Really? Yeah. I was going to get to that in a, in yeah. later on, but it's like, no, about, but yeah. no, but t- well, we're there now. We're talking about the book and yeah. I, I go to these places, you go to map, for example, I'm sure Brody's been to map and, and they have this machine that they, they hook up to them. What are the machines they're hooking up to these, these athletes over at map? Oh, I, I assume that maybe it's like an electric stem. I think that particular one's like, it's yeah. a device to help the training. Um, I have a lot of devices to assess the training, right? Yeah. So let me, like, let me give you that example with that, with that particular device I have that analyzes brain and heart waves and puts everything together. I have 10 athletes do a workout and then I keep majoring them and begin to realize there is roughly seven different completely responses to the same workout from the same in the same species. Okay. So when, you know, cause you can look at horses, right. But like, uh, and I, I don't hesitate to go look at horse physiology people to see how yeah. horses respond. Right. Um, I'll be honest with you. Some of my best nutrition stuff came from horses because those people have to test and a horse can't tell you anything. Right. So there's no placebo effect. It doesn't know it's getting a vitamin, but if they do a vitamin and it gets better, then there's something there. Yeah. So, so, Right. So I'm sitting here doing these things, all these testing, and I'm realizing that the organism is so complex. And, and, and like I, I actually have spoken like eight hours on this subject at times, how complex it is and the considerations that have to happen. So it's just not training. Right. And it sounds simple because people say, oh, I just got to work hard. Well, but but when you're working hard, that's fine. But sometimes I get these athletes to the point where working hard will actually make them worse if they don't work very specifically. Right. You know, and that's the thing um, with track and field and swimming. I was able to manipulate and find things that made these athletes faster. And it, and like in those two sports, speed is the most coveted yeah. in, in, in most sports. Let's be honest. It's one of the most coveted qualities. Yeah. Right. And yes, it made people faster. And it basically it took weak links away in your speed training or in, in the reason that you have less speed there's weak links in here somewhere, whether it's in your physiology or your brain or blah, blah, blah. And this helps triphasic help take those weak links out is what I found. Are some of those links genetic where like, no matter oh, sure. what I'm going to do to you, there's nothing I can do to, you know, or, or you look at Michael yeah. Phelps, talk about swimming that they've, they've shown it. Like his body is perfect for perfect. to be a swimmer, right? Yeah. That long torso. Now he would not do well in hockey. You know yeah. why? Because his torso is long and his legs are short so his top end speed skating would be terrible he may be a better goalie he would be a better goalie than anything well with those long arms right yeah long arms and his torsos uh would have been fine he probably could have been a goalie but i don't know if his hand-eye coordination is good enough we you know have no idea do we yeah we don't know and you know you you do look at michael phelps well I'll, I'll be honest with you i had a couple kids i i they it was crazy where they were the same height but when you looked at them 
the the one kid's butt was about eight inches higher or nine than the other one. Yeah. And you're going, the one kid was, uh, the one, the shorter kid, the shorter butt kid was better hockey player, but he could never make an NHL because of his speed. And the other one made an NHL. Wasn't as good as a hockey player, but his speed was lights out, right? So speed is one of those, as long as you know the game in hockey, like speed is coveted. And that's the beauty of triphasic is that I have, I've been fortunate to train track and field, which helped me hone my, my, my uh, coaching ability in regards to finding qualities for these people to develop each kid. There's something about the butt, and I hate to you know focus on that, but there's something about that. I mean, the, 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 the uh, hockey athlete is looking well, to get those thighs to the point where they can explode, right? Isn't that what you're tr- yep. really trying to build? Well, here's the secret. Um, my athletes that have been freaks and look, I tried world champion track kids from action, uh, um, Mitch Potter and Adam Steele. Right. Right. Uh, and look, all these world champions I talk about, these people did the work. I just facilitated a path. I, I, I stand behind them. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't, I don't try. I never, I've never won a uh, big 10 title as an athlete i've wanted to help as a coach right that's the way i look at it we're gonna get to that that's coming that's the next segment on this is all the all the medals and all your history there but keep going the the beauty is um you know uh with 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 all this with these guys in in in, let's say david Plummer, who swam with michael phelps he was fortunate to win a gold medal and you're like all these things are again i would say measurable but it's like I've used all these other qualities of these other sports to develop the best athlete I can. And it transferred over to hockey is what I found. Right. And I yeah. find all these links and I was just very blessed. And, you know, people ask me how I, and, and look, that book is probably 10% of what I do. Okay. Right. But and people go, well, how do you create all this stuff? Cause I've wrote eight more manuals, a couple minor books and I'll, you know, in the future, I'll probably write some more in the next few years. But, uh, you know, I, here's what I do. I, I analyze, here's this, this is hard because you got to get over your ego. Right. I analyze everything that I do. So I analyze my program at an extremely high level. And I find problems that I didn't even know existed. And then I create solutions. And that's how I create stuff. Right. And I, I, I don't know too many coaches that create as much as I do. And I'm very fortunate with these athletes. You know what I mean? So I, I find problems that I didn't know existed. And then I, create solutions for the problems and that's that's how i create stuff so going back to the butt then so this is something no no this is something that's big though i mean these all these you're really trying to bring explosiveness and and it all starts at the thigh or you know the the butt the butt right it it really is it's a big part it's just weird but it is a big part of success and speed the secrets to all those freak athletes that i've I've yeah they have a big butt yeah. And I'm not kidding. Unless you're in a really special sport, right? Like a golf, let's say, where it's not necessary. Um, but, and here's the catch your foot. And what did they all have? They all have super strong feet. Mm. Because when you're born, the doctor will grab a baby's foot and rub it. It's called the Babinski reflex. Yeah. And then make sure that big toe curls. That big toe is it. If you flex that big toe, it helps the butt muscle develop. No okay? way. So every one of my freak athletes 
had, they didn't have to have big feet. They had strong feet. And, and how do you strengthen a guy's foot or a woman's foot? Uh, I have five exercises. Do you really? I, they're in my they're they're in my uh, speed manual that I created. I'll actually give them to you if you want to put them maybe on the notes of the podcast. Yeah, so people, it's free. I'll just send it. Yeah, right. But but yes, I'm telling you that that there is a. So let me let me just real quick. A guy takes a puck in the foot, breaks his foot in a boot. Guess what happens? That butt cheek shrinks on that side. Yeah, it's connected every. Because you're not using it, the brain downregulates it and shuts it down. Wow. Protect. And I'm telling you, so yes, my hockey players have large muscular butts, but that's a sign <laughs> of properly developed. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the thighs, but the thighs will be bigger if the butt's bigger because it right. all just works together. And I'm and so that toe has to grab the ground and squeeze into. So if I grab my athlete's shoe, when I pull them, you look at my athletes, there'll be a big toe mark and athletes that have back pain and dysfunction when you pull that like, like the insert out of their, their shoe quite often it won't be what's the only thing touching the ground this is how important feet is when you run or skate right right it's your connection to the world and people and people in my realm you know they get fired up when a chiropractor only works on the feet but i understand what he's doing yeah you know what i'm saying yeah and um so yeah the big butts in hockey and, and, and the hockey skate drives that extension pattern for, or that pattern to, to fire the butt. You have to. That's why hockey players have these nice muscular butts, right? And, and big, strong legs. That's part of the reason. And then, so I, I've stumbled upon that over the years and, and I, I've been checking for years now. And yeah, every one of my athletes that have developed have, and I, again, just strong feet. Now look, these hockey players wear that flip-flops in the summer. The yep. problem is the flip-flops, you have to, take your toe and lift it up yep. instead of squeezing it into Down. the ground. Yeah. So they're bad for you. They'll <laughs> inhibit your butt development. So we got to put that out there, right? No flip-flops. I just did. Yeah, I just did. Do your gopher but, men and women, do you forbid them from wearing the flip-flops? I, I mean, can't you try to? Say, right? I tell them, I say, this is what we're trying to develop, and this shuts it off. And they know if, if you know, if you're going to wear them, like, get them on, get them off, like, jumping out of the car, going across hot concrete, and then get to the sand, take them off, right? Yeah. Or the, you can wear sandals like that as long as the sandal strap is on the back so that your foot's not trying to hold the sandal on from falling off when you're walking, right? We could shut the pot off now because now I'm just – my yeah. speed is going to double here. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go home today, and I'm going to throw the flip-flops away, and I'm just going to get faster. There you go. Squeeze that toe every every time when you walk in the ground. Just take your big toe and push it into the ground. You're trying to squeeze the ground because theoretically, without shoes, your toe would grab the ground every time. To, yeah, yeah, to propel forward. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. We got a long ways to go, and we're already 38 minutes in. So okay. let's go through your history at the University of Minnesota. It's not you're currently just the men's and women's hockey uh, strength and conditioning coach. But before that, you you've alluded to it about five ten times already. You've you've coached other other teams. Let's go through those list of teams that you've yeah. coached at the U. It's just pretty I, fascinating. I basically was hired as an Olympic sports strength coach, and that okay. means all the Olympic sports. I wasn't, you know, I I actually did a GA at the U first, and then as and a that coach, was back in the nineties, right? Yeah, I did a football. Yeah, and I worked football. I saw Big Ten football. It was pretty awesome. You know what I mean? I was under Glenn. You know, Glenn I was going to say Glenn Mason in the late yeah. '90s, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, and then I I left. Went wait, back wait. To my one one quick personal question. What did you think when you got to Minnesota? Did you think I can't get out of here fast enough, or did you go? Ah, I kind of like this place. 
Um, at the time, you know, yeah, I, I, it was an experience and it was only a two year situation, right? It was a GA. Right. So, you know, and, and honestly, I, I think I lost 60 pounds, but yeah, that was the total 60 pounds because I, I was working so much because there's a GA in the division one field at the time you worked, you know, um, 60 hours, both every, every coach did basically, you know, and right. I mean, most of them probably will in football. You, you worked that for sure during the season for sure. And then I had to go to grad school at night. So like literally I, I would take my courses at night from six 30 to nine or six 30 to eight 30 on Monday through Thursday, I would get up at five or four 30, go to work. And then I didn't have as much money because I had to live here because it's pricey. So, so I ate a lot of supplements. Right. And then, um, I tried to eat one big meal a day. And during that time frame, I, I was heavier coming out of college, right. Of, right. You know, 300 pound mark. And then got down to 240 during that uh, two year and a half time frame before I got a job. And it was, you know, and it, it was like uh, uh, people don't, I tell, I tell the things that I went through and I had, a, you know, Bob Rohde who hired me. Yeah. Uh, he's just leaving the U after 30 plus years and, you know, um, coaching, he hired me twice. So uh, I guess I did okay. And him and I have had an unbelievable relationship, but you know, it was, it was, this is the badge of honor. And I tell people like, this is what I did. And, and the kids nowadays, like, how did you do all that? Like, that sounds horrible. I'm like, yeah, but I, I wanted to coach more than anything in the world. Right. So those are the things you went through, you know what I'm saying? I remember my birthday, I got up at four 30. Um, literally we hit the ground running and I think I finished wiping down the weight equipment at nine o'clock that night in the summer, you know, and, and one person said, Hey, I heard your birthday, happy birthday. And that was as in passing because we were going to coach the next group. So, right. Like, yeah, it was that's just what it is. You know, you learn not to care about your birthday because it's not mine. You know, I don't care about my birthday. If I've never celebrated ever again, I don't care. Right. But other people's is important to them. And I do that. But like, yeah. So, you know, you, it's just the passion that you have to have. And that's what I, you know, I was fortunate to get through. Summers are insane. Uh, time, uh, not just the men's and women's, but all when you're over at the university of Minnesota, we, we run a camp over there. I'm just blown away by how much activity is going right. on over there during, during yeah. the summer. So, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it was hectic. Same thing with football back then as a GA. And then, you know, I came back a few years later or two, uh, I left and then came back a couple years later to interview with Don Lucia as the head hockey guy, head Olympic guy back then. And um, Coach Rohde was there, and I believe Tom Moe was the AD, in, acting AD, because we just got through the basketball scandal that you did. Right. Right. So, um, and, um, you know, that left a lot of people that probably didn't, it didn't affect them, devastated. You know, they weren't involved. But, right. Um, yeah. So I came back and when I came back, I, the, the job was I had an assistant and I oversaw 12 teams, which include tennis, golf, swimming, baseball. You, you know, and when I say that, I'm, I'm not saying that was by any means. Like I was part of John Anderson's baseball program. I won six Big Ten titles. It's <laughs> pretty amazing yeah. guy, isn't he? Yeah. And, and Todd Oaks, the pitching coach who since passed. Yeah. Here, like, and here's here's my perspective on coaching. So if you look at it, I I've coached um, almost 200 seasons because in one year I would see 12 seasons transpire. That's incredible, right? And I would see 12 different coaching methods of the head coach in in 30 to 40 of the assistants and how they handled things. So this was all my development 
in regards to being the person I am today. Talk about what you know. I was going to focus a little bit on you know Laura Halderson and the, the and and Bob Motzko, those types. But let's go non hockey for a second. What, what's one of the coaches that's really stood out to you as a guy who was kind of a little bit more like Dick Strom, where he had a you know had his way with the players and had his way with the with the Big Ten and had his or her way with the Big Ten or just just had a really ma- mastered yeah. their trade. Who was the coach well, that, uh, that, that guy or woman? Look, Look, uh, I, I've been part of 36 Big Ten titles. Right. right. So, I was going to get to that. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, I mean, there's coach after coach. Uh, let's take a John Anderson. I've never, and he's still there, right? And I, I'd never seen a coach operate the way John managed people. And, and that's maybe the sport of baseball. So, so that wouldn't work to wrestling. And then we'll get to Jay Robinson in a second, right? But, like, right. It was so to me. I was like the differences is between the two because I I was in school when they were both there, and I got to know John because I knew a lot of baseball people, a lot of baseball players. Right, and he managed a team in a way I I'd never seen anyone else manage before. Yeah, super laid back, but he used his brain to get you not motivate. He he would motivate players in a different way than than Jay Robinson did. Who he walked into the U and it was over. It was they they were they were a, a tender every year yeah yeah right and, and i had to manage so that's that's the the one thing about the adaptability i learned i'm like john anderson wants his could manage a different way than jay robinson did right so I, I i'm just a as a strength coach you know some coaches say they're the most important person on staff because they have the most contact which i i couldn't disagree in parts of a you know parts of the contact I, right um but i i don't I, you know i've never I've never coached a goalie on the ice. They, they, I, if, we, if I had to do that, we'd be in trouble, right? <laughs> so, so, and I've never coached these kids, but that just the building the culture, right? And uh, delivering the same message as John. That, that's what I had to do and what our culture was and how, you know, we worked hard and, and the kids love it. And maybe with baseball, my message in offseason was a little bit different. Like John was more laid back and I wasn't as laid back. Yeah, but, but I had to know where John was going and, and deliver the same messages because you know what? Those kids believed. Oh, yeah. And they were successful. Right. And so you go over to the wrestling and they would see me. A baseball kid would walk through and be like, dude, you're a completely different coach Cal, <laughs> when you coach those guys. And I'm like, yeah, that was. But but like, honestly, it did, it's like uh, I, I, I hate to say when I was dealing maybe with a couple freshmen, you had to get ornery as yeah. a coach. but. But but as a senior, you know you okay. I walked in, Tim Hartung, NCAA yeah. national champion, Brandon Agum. Uh, I think he was a silver medalist at the world event, right? I mean, those are the wrestlers that I was dealing with when I walked in, right? And there's Jay Robinson, um, Hall of Fame coach with with um, uh, Marty Mitchell as the assistant, right? And I'm I'm Brandon Egan. I'm talking to, and, and Luke Becker, like the, those are the guys that are the head coaches now at the U, and I I coach them. You know what I mean? So the different mentality. And then honestly, one of the greatest coaches I I saw uh, that I personally was the track coach at the time, Phil Lundin. Right. Phil, Phil has his PhD. He, I mean, you know, he developed uh, Mitch Potter and Adam Steele. And he they, these guys didn't get major D1 offers. I think we were the only D1 schools to, to and they were 400 meter runners. Right. And they ran... I think in the spring they ran the world's two fastest times in the 400 to date, two weeks apart. And 
people were calling from all over and like, what are you guys doing? And, and uh, you know, I'm just going to be honest, like Mitch and Adam were, were white guys when the 400 that year was dominated by, you know, the, you watched the 400 race and it was all black guys basically, but right. you know what I mean? And, and people were like, because the fastest fibers and everything and, and you're going and people were wondering what we were doing. And, and Phil was part of my major influence in regards to coaching, especially in my younger years. And he, to me, he was one of the most detailed, sure he understood it coaches right um but not that like man i i the big thing about minnesota is i had good coaches and good people together yeah you know from laura hollerson to don lucia i mean don lucia basically i'm glad he accepted me as a strength coach but i mean this is you know him hiring me and, and bob Rody in the administration you're going boom like this 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 let me into this job and and help me develop as a coach and a person. What did Don on a day to day basis when you were with the Gopher men's team and Don? Uh, did, did you have a role uh, working drills during the season, or were you more just the warm up and and cool down guy? Yeah, that. Well, you know, I, I did my weight stuff, right? Yeah, but, uh, obviously during that. But yeah, like, yeah. Were, were you involved with the the practice plan as to to how the, how to get the most out of the kids? Um, I was not because I, I mean, I, Don would come to me and, and he had a pretty hard mentality when, when he got there. And then, uh, I think the championship year, in my opinion, uh, the year we won it in 202, you know what I mean? Uh, he would, he would conf- like talk to me and we would say, Oh yeah, they're a little beat up. Yep. Coaches are beat up this morning. And he, and he, man, like we were doing this sports science stuff just by him and I's communication, yeah, years before everybody was actually considering it, you know what I mean, and 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 I just educated him. I'm like, coach, here's what you're gonna do. If you push them hard today, they're not ready because because we had a long series. We got beat Saturday. They had to come back and they got back late, and it was a it was a big Sunday football day, so the guys are tired. Right? These are all things you have to consider. Let's let's be honest. You know what I mean? And and Don's like, okay, I'll, I'll flush them out today. So I I actually we restructured his practice plan over the years to make sure that we were optimal when we played. And I have I have measurements. And you know, we didn't win every game, but I had tools to say, hey, this person's physically ready to play. And I had tools to measure that they weren't physically ready to play. So we would manage the practice week, and you know Brad Frost, help I helped him. I helped Laura. Um, they kind of use that original work that Don and I did together and, and Don and I were guessing. Yeah. And then years later I had devices to measure and we were right. And it's still how I recommend, you know, and, and Bob, well, Bob worked with us. You know what I mean? When Bob Moscow yeah, worked absolutely. with us. Absolutely. Right. And then, and then Bob followed kind of the same plan. And, but, but that's, that's like 30 years of coaching. I, I don't want to date Bob. I don't know. He's been coaching 30 years. I think so. You know what I mean? Maybe more. Um, but, but he has a good thumbprint. I don't even, I, I, I've never even had to talk to him about it. Yeah. Right. Because of the way he structures his practice. So, you know, and people come to me and I, I actually, you know, I had GPS devices, which takes, I had, I would get um, a million readings per person per, per practice with these little devices that they stuck on their back to see the movements. And, yeah. and it, when I first got it, I confirmed that we were okay with Don and I, I helped the whole, there's a organization or there's a business out there that has these, there's many businesses and I, I helped them build into the hockey world, which then the the nhl teams are using that particular company and 
long story short is like we don't need it because bob runs an opt uh, in my opinion an optimal practice like it's not worth the fifty thousand dollar investment at this time right I mean, we can so yeah i mean and and that's just experience of a coach right so um yeah it's just been a unique thing in regards to all these coaches that i've worked with and and to learn from them and then help them educate themselves and to evolve the coaching world uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, and it's more complex, right? It's a dynamic thing with, with player management and training and practice planning. Yeah. All right. So next question, uh, switching gears here. Why is hockey from, from, uh, from your lens, why is hockey the greatest sport to train? Well, um, in my opinion, it's by far the most dynamic sport in the world. And when I say that, there's there's like three energy systems, right? So a long distance runner has the aerobic and uh, right. a, a sprinter can sprint. And the 400 to 800 meter runners are lactate. Well, well, hockey requires all three of those systems. Yeah. Right? So the short it, spurt you, stuff, right? You, you yeah. need, right? And then you need a good aerobic base to be able to recover and keep sprinting fast. Yeah. Because a, a world-class sprinter does one time, right? So he doesn't need a big as a big aerobic base as people think. No. However, with hockey, it has to be pretty big, and it still has to be pretty fast. So, so that's the energy system. And then I don't know if there's another sport that has more skill and coordination in regards from the skating to the puck, the speed at which it moves and the speed at which the puck travels, you know, because basketball is pretty dynamic, but it doesn't travel as fast as the puck. You can't use the, you know, the boards or walls if it was basketball, right? But the boards in hockey and somebody can goaltend the whole thing every time, right? So you're like, that's what makes it, to me, it's a combination of the most unique energy. I can't, I've been through all the sports and when I talk about this with my assistants, they're like, I see what you're saying. There's nothing like this well you you left a big big factor out of out of men's hockey and that's the hitting yeah i I, you can get the same hitting in football sort of i mean i think i could hit you a lot harder on skates if i had four steps than i could if i could run and tackle you right running versus skating so the amount of the amount you can hit somebody in hockey the you can hit them way harder um you can use the wall to bank the puck off of sure unlike any other sport there's so many different ways it makes it great from just an absolute athletic perspective but now you factor in the training to get your job is to train these people to be at 100 at all three of them that's pretty hard the the aerobic 100 percent lactate 100 percent and the short spurt 100 that's i mean this is a really complicated animal you're dealing with it's it's crazy and Fortunately, when they walk in the door at Minnesota, they're pretty good. So they have the genetics laid out, right? Right. So that yeah, helps. so now you're getting the best of the best, right? When yep. they walk in the door. But the margins are so small at the top that a 1% difference can cost you a championship or not, right? So, right. you know, that's the thing. Um, and, and hockey, to me, there's, you know, if it's so – it's the hitting. Well, well, let's look at the Stanley Cup. I don't know. Well, there's only really two professional sports that hit football and hockey. Right. Football, if you're the best team you walk in, you have three games to win the Super Bowl, one a week. Yep. Hockey, 
it's the best of seven for four four weeks, four game or four series, man. Yeah, insane. Think isn't about it? that. That is, it's it's the hardest trophy to win. Period. Yes, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, talk about the when you guys, when the Gophers, men or women, they've had their share of ups and downs. Um, when they lose a tough game, and the one I keep coming back to is the 2014 National Championship game against Union. Do you take some responsibility for that? Like, like could I have done something better as oh. as our – you know what I mean? Do you, do you own a little bit of that in those types of games? I, I own everything, right? Like, <laughs> I figured you did, but I just wanted to get that out there, right? Yeah. I mean, as a coach – and I'm not just picking on the Gopher. I mean, because no. they've had some great wins too. But I'm just—that's yeah. one I keep coming back to. Like, what was missing? Other than Union was the better hockey team that night. But what was? Right. What, what do you? How yeah. do you take that on? Well, the hard part is like when I was young and, and when we won, and I had more teams that win. I didn't celebrate them like I should have, and I didn't appreciate. Them. I'm like, all right, next next season's up. Two weeks we're rolling, right? I gotta get ready. Um, as a coach, as you go harder, I mean, longer into this profession. Um, you know, Don said it like the losses bother you more and the wins, like they just kind of go by the wayside. It's not that you don't want to, you're coaching to win, but okay, we won. It's like you leave the bench thinking about, okay, next game, what do we got to do? You know what I'm saying? You don't appreciate the wins. Yeah. Like you should, you know what I'm saying as a coach. I I think as we get older and and the, the losses hit you hard and you're just like, but but let's be honest, man. It's just a game, so try not to let to affect your family life. Um, had I been, had I had once I had kids, I, I kind of didn't let it really bother me when I walked in the door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, yeah. But as a young coach, man, yeah, it bothers you, and I probably brought it home when I should not. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, you you take it because man, you you spend all these hours and you see these kids progress and you see their dreams and. I'm realistically a dream facilitator, right? I mean, and and look, I mean, I I wrote a, you know, a special forces manual with a a coach that left and trained special forces soldiers. And, and I I tell people, you know what, LeBron James, Sidney Crosby, you know, they can make an impact on our society. And and Sidney does wondrous things, right? In the community, right? And, but, but we're still entertainers, right? That's the, like, where, where, I have friends that were in special forces operations that, that did like 12 tours Oof. in nine 11 from, from nine 11 on. And, and you're going, they cannot come home. Right. <laughs> no. Right. Police officers may go to work and not come home sometimes where, where or when I'm they doing... come back from overseas, yes. are they, what's their mental capacity going to be like? Right. After what, what they've, they've seen. seen well, you know, and, and in the COVID crisis, like, we have to realize we're just, like, these pro athletes, you're just an entertainer. And I, I'm not anything different. Yeah. I, I, I train entertainers. Yeah. So let, let's put it in perspective. You know, I'm on the University of Minnesota campus. There's there's doctors trying to find the cure for childhood cancer. Yeah. I just teach people to run fast and lift dumbbells. <laughs> now, I do it really scientifically right. But like you see, let's 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 be honest, right? This is who we are. So living in the yeah, the, you wear that stuff. But should I wear it as much? I don't know. But I, I hit the ground running every day, and I, I love my field, right? I here's the beauty. Like there was a day um, just before the COVID thing happened. It was a Thursday where I, we had off, or 
yeah, none of the teams we were, we were going to be okay. There wasn't much going on. I read, I read something at seven thirty in the morning, and then at five thirty that night, and I had three boards in one of our rooms filled up, grease boards, yep. two computer laptops open, and I realized I hadn't ate or drank yet. <laughs> right, so so you're going, and I thought it was the best day ever because I actually created a few things. Yeah, you got focused, didn't you? Yeah, and I'm like, man, I work, I have passion in the field where that happened. And I'm like, wow, that was exciting. You know what I mean? I remember you telling me that story of a couple sessions yeah. ago. I was like, God, that's that's happened to me before during hockey tournaments. It's right? like 4.30 in the afternoon. I'm like, how much water have I had today? <laughs> like zero glasses, right? Yeah, like that's not healthy yeah. at then, all, you know. And that's what our, you know, you can watch the last stand on ESPN, right, or something like that to see the passion that Jordan had. Yeah, you know, and that's you. Can, it's tough to develop that. No, no, no. Right. You all right, gotta have it. You mentioned COVID. I want to kind of just go through some of the stuff that you're as in your day to day job. Uh, let's go through the NCAA rules on COVID. What can you do uh, with an athlete? And you use Sammy Walker example. Can yeah. you work with Sammy uh, on a on a program now at the U? No. So um, with the school shut down, and and the reason. And that's across the country because did it uh, did the, it change when school got out? Because like May fifth or whatever, did it change? Now that you're considered no. summer, it's still COVID, right? Yeah, it's still COVID, right? So right. the the particular thing is is that uh, I said you know I have programs that they can do, and and you know we're from a we're from a mixture where kids have complete home gyms to a kid has you know one of my athletes have five pound dumbbells and that's it. So, you know, I've, I've built some programs that they can select from. I put them available to them. And, you know, they're... So they're, almost they're, like a teacher, like, here's your assignments. Go watch this YouTube video, right? right. That kind of thing. That's it. Yeah. Right? right. Because I can't actually work them out because the concern, first concern is, is that uh, the resources that a school has, like, I could do a really good job, but there's, there's, there's other universities who have strength coaches that work eight teams and he couldn't do as good of a job. So they want the fair playing field, right? Right. So, which is also is going to be considered when um tony when we go back like if Rutgers can't practice football in the fall then the university of minnesota sh- will probably not be allowed to practice because it's an unfair advantage really wow yes yeah. that's, that's another that's, that i yeah. didn't even plan on going down that road i was i was going to go back right. to what now do each of the athletes have, have to reach a certain level to actually come back to play they obviously have to be tested right yeah they'll have to be tested you know and, and i'm more open that i can get a hold of our athletes in the summer here soon um and, and that being said i can't work them out because of realistically it's liability reasons because what if i'm working a kid out and you know he has some heart complications and no one's there for CPR. So the NCAA may, uh, you know, made this rule. And I think it's, 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 it's a good rule that a coach can't orchestrate a workout. When I'm saying work, when you're saying workout, you're saying like via zoom call, obviously via zoom call. Yes. Right? I'm sorry. Yes. Or, or yes, you couldn't course. even do the 10 kids thing, right? Where there's 10 kids at the room and, and you could do that either. Cause the university is well, closed and you would have to do right. Closed. Yeah, that'll, that, we're, we're writing actually policy right now to say, how are you going to manage this? You know what I mean? With your weight room. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so I'm writing that up as a proposal. Um, it's got to fall guidelines and everything, right, that, that, that exists. So bottom line is we're going to get there. I just don't know when we're going to get there. And this is the longest 
10 weeks, I've, I've never not coached somebody in 10 weeks of my life. Or I, I, that's a whole nother podcast, right? Sure. So right. what are the levels of, uh, obviously being tested, but don't, you said to me yesterday when one of our calls that, that there's going to be certain protocols for them to return physically. Like they have to meet certain guidelines, correct? In order to get back sure. on the football field or the hockey rink, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's something to consider like, uh, in regards to the level of athlete. Did, did they do anything? Cause you know, there, there'll be athletes out there that did nothing during this whole time <laughs> and you just can't throw them. You can't, they can't go from zero to a hundred. Right. And so you're going to have to check that there's athletes that did stuff and, and I'll progress them fairly fast. And I can actually get a, I got some measurement readings cause I already had most of these athletes and I had them tested so we can run through a thing and I can look and say, he's a hundred percent ready to go. But then the other one to consider is that they have had it COVID, which could have caused lung and or heart failure. Right. Oh, it could cause failure, but yes, but in most likely the athletes, they had it. It may have been, anything, but it could have caused damage. So yeah, we're, we're going to, if you've been tested positive, we're going to bring you back and then go through a particular protocol where we progress you up, watch your oxygen saturation levels and your heartbeat. Cause those are really good indicators of if, if you have tissue damage in the lungs and so forth. So yeah, we'll, we have that. And I mean, those are all getting finalized right now because, but it's, uh, Tony, I, I'm, I'm nervous about college sports this next year. I, I think professional will happen for sure because of the money involved that right. they can test people every day. Yeah. But that may not happen with college sports. It's interesting you should say that. Um, the, we've already, I say we, that the sporting industry has already lost one of their biggest moneymakers in the, in the NCAA basketball tournament, right? If you lose college football this fall, there's going to be some universities, uh, athletic departments that are going to be look a way different in 2021 than they looked in 2019 fall. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I heard people are looking at serious cuts in the university education. Like they're not talking about cutting teams; they're talking about cutting the chemistry department because stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not at the U, right? But 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 other places. This is what I've heard. Here's the one that yesterday that comes out: uh, the University of California state system, you know, closed until the until January of. 2021 think about if you're a just graduated from high school about to graduate from high school you live in california and you're going to go to a california state school wouldn't you maybe consider going to a different school just altogether if you can't go to actual campus and and it's open in a different state that kind of opens up pandora's box for a lot of different things of course i mean why not go to wyoming where right you know for a semester (laughs) or two because then you know like yeah maybe wyoming's a better fit now yeah. Then Cal Berkeley. <laughs> My wife and I were talking with, she goes, I just hope they don't come here. It's like to Minnesota. Like, right. like they have the disease there. I think California is about as locked down as any other state as there is. So I think they're about as safe as you can find. Yeah. And I think today they may have pushed another eight weeks in LA County. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another topic for another right. day. Okay. Okay, sticking right. with NCAA, uh, you've had, we, we mentioned a little bit, just going to quick little hitters here on the, on the coaches that you coach with at the U. Um, Laura Halderson, we'll start with her and then we'll swing all the way back to Don. So Laura Halderson, what was it like working with her? What was she like to work with and, and what, what, what made her so great? Um, Laura's drive made her great, right? Her just, she wanted to win like you could see it she would oh, it was crazy she tried to keep it like like hidden from people right you know, but you could underneath 
and I, that's when I got to know her. I'm like, oh, well, and, and you know what? I loved it because you know when you got a coach like that, it's it's really really like yeah, it's easy to work for. And Laura let me do my thing, right? And and she, you know, I helped them with with practice planning and thoughts and. It's like, but but when you got that passion, like, oh, and then she was really mad if, if we didn't win games that weekend, and then the Vikings lost. She's a big Vikings fan. Like, she would lose it. Like, it was bad Monday for her. Really? <laughs> yeah. She loved, yeah, she's so competitive. I love that. I love yeah, that. I, that. that. That's not something I pick up on uh, for through the no. press. All right, well, Frosty, no. what about Brad? Frosty? Um, well, I mean, honestly... He, he coached under Laura, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he became a head coach, you know. And, and I, I, Frosty told this story. Like, when he was first there, you know, he, we didn't win a championship for three, four years. Right. You know, four years. And he would get calls from parents and complaints and things like that at times, blah, blah, blah. When he got his system into play and the right, all the right people that, that were going to work with him and the right culture built for him. Yep. Um, we won our first championship. And since then, he's won four, five, four, four. I think. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't received a call yet. <laughs> you no. know what I mean? Like no complaints, no nothing, right? And and honestly, what what separates Frosty is his his staff. He it's integrated with Joel. Yeah, now former captain of ours. You know what I mean? I coached her. Um, I just to watch to watch uh, the hard part with the women's ice hockey is that I, like I have interns, I was supposed to have 10 this summer. And when they see these girls work out in the culture that they have, it's like no other I've ever seen. And this is why there's success there. Really? And that's, that's a tribute to Brad. And it's not just Brad, like Joel and Bethany and everyone on that staff is a part of that culture and it is impressive. You, you I mean, and, and Brad will, will not take the wrong person. But if, if somebody comes in with some problems, whether it's attitude or things, it's just stopped and weeded out because that just doesn't exist there. And, and look, that's not just the kids we have now. Like that was built on kids from from Sarah Erickson. You know what I mean? Um, when I think she was a captain when brought Brad won his first championship. Um uh, we even go, go back to Chrissy and Natalie Darwitz. You know what I mean? Um, Chrissy Wendell and Natalie Darwitz. Yeah. Were some of the greatest gophers and greatest players of the day. It was just like, it. they, they had an attitude for winning. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, and, and I think the culture has to change now because the kids are different. So your cultures have to be somewhat fluid. Let's be honest. All right, let's move on to the the, the men's side. Uh, Bob Matsko is uh, a guy you worked with back when you were first starting. So, you, like, your careers were kind of budding at the time, and now it's it's 15, 16 years later, and you're working together again. What is What have you seen different about Bob from then and, and to now? He's obviously more wise, right? And I only knew him as an assistant. And, and uh, you, you know, with Bob as an assistant with Don, um, he had so he, you know, Bob's one of those idea guys, and then give it a shot, and he'll be the first one to tell you, oh, that was the worst thing I ever thought of. Let's throw that at you. Know I mean, he's so great like that, you know. And yeah. then, uh, but but now you know you, you you can see the seasonedness in him of managing a team. 
Yeah. It's pretty, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Like I just said, and I, you know, people will, will, I don't, I don't say a word when these coaches such as Brad Frost and Bob Mosco or I, I, I mean, I'd love to hear a coach address a team. Right. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, this gives me insight. And I, I just, you know, I could sit in a team meeting all day if it was something of substance. Yeah, know? for sure. All right. And last. It's like, okay. Yeah, go ahead. No, the last one is just Don Lucia. I mean, he's the one who brought you here. And uh, your foundation, his foundation, are go hand in hand. Yeah, well, I mean, he had some great success before he came, and I became successful with him. You know what I mean? Right. So, no, I'm just saying um, it, it, it kind of worked. It's it's funny how they, they both worked well right. together. Yeah, it, you know, and, and I, I, geez, I, I probably haven't. Uh, I, he comes through the arena, and I haven't probably. Last time I was on the phone, I didn't get to say hi to him. But, um, you know, it's just a fortunate that, you know, when I first hired, I had 12 teams and he understood that, you know, cause most of these coaches only want, Hey, you, you got to deal with my team, right? I don't care. About right. It. So, so he was very, he was very considerate in that way, right? how we manage our schedule for me. And you know, he understood I had a lot on my plate. And then as time went on, I, I less and less teams and uh, I became, you know, with now, I mean, I, I have an assistant with two women, men's and women's hockey teams and, you know, we travel, we recover. The, the, the field has evolved. So I'm much more, it's, it's crazy how much we do uh, in a good way. Um, but, you know, Don was, he, he saw my position grow. He was an advocate, you know, when I, as I said, when I was uh, interviewing at the Patriots to, to, to make a big push to keep me at the U. Right. You know, because, you know, that, yeah, it, he he went to bat uh, so did brad frost and and i was very fortunate to you know and to watch don coach and manage a team and then you know honestly to see him with his children because i think she's had mario when i first saw you know four or five yeah right and I, he would be running around the arena and then lo and behold mario you know i coached mario for two years afterwards after notre dame at, in the summers to be a pro hockey player you know what I mean? He worked out with me. So I saw that kid grow up and saw Don as a father. You know what I'm saying? You could see. Different um, side, right? Yeah, right. And, and, you know, and then Don had a scare with, uh, um, you know, the lesion and, and uh, cancerous yeah. thing. Right. And, um, you know, just, man, you're just like, oh, boy. You're sitting here going, he's a father of four of wonderful people, wonderful kids. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, this can't happen. You know what I mean? And unfortunately it wasn't, I mean, I'm not going to downplay it. Like it was, it was, it was somewhat serious, but it could have been way worse. For sure. All right. You've trained both men and women hockey players. Let's go some positives and negatives with training them. We talked pre-show and about how great women were. Talk a little bit about that. And then maybe some downside yeah. to, to coaching, teaching women too. And we'll get to the guys too. Um, yeah, the women, and again, Brad Frost's uh, culture kind of is crazy in, in the sense that how they come in and they just are molded. Um, but that's, that's a tribute to the players believing in it too, you know, and right. the women, it's, it's crazy. The, the women as strength coaches, like all my interns will say, wow, the way they listen, you know what I mean? Because, you know, men have that ego-ish part about them, but these women, it seems like they're just um they're sponges and they're easier to coach from that perspective and and you know women are, are honestly like more more i mean they're more aware of their environment on the verbal 
yeah picked up you know what i'm saying like probably the one tone that i'm deaf to is probably my wife's voice right right like, right everybody's is, I mean, right yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, but, but in these situations the women pick things up and you coach them and it's just, yeah, I, I, I'm just, it's, it's such a, your blood pressure, my blood pressure doesn't go up when I coach them to say the least, you know what I'm saying? And, and like you tell them to do something and, and then they seem to just do it later if it's a half hour later because you told them and they were listening the men, you're going to have to stand there and repeat what you said. <laughs> you know what I mean? 10 times, because right? 10 times, right? And they're like, oh, but I'm working hard. Like, no, 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 no. There's details here. In There's my, details, you know. Yeah, I know. In my notes, I have you, 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 a word you described women was putty. And that's a good thing. They, they, when yeah. you were coaching, you want putty. You don't want dried out clay, do you? No. I mean, well, and when I say that, I say that from every sense of the words because they're willing to, like, be molded and, 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 and forged, right? And then the, the amazing thing is, like, what I see, you know, I see a meek freshman walk in and honestly, by the end of summer, you know, they walk in that weight room with confidence because they've made so many gains. Um, Eric Howla, I mean, you got a freshman women's hockey player, Eric Howla needs a spot. He'll ask her and she'll jump right over there and like cheer him on. You know, stuff like that. You're yeah. going, that's impressive. Like this girl has made strides where, you know, when she walked in day one, she'd be like, Oh, geez, what are all these professional hockey players here and like they're big and you know what i mean and that you know it's all the same culture there where that might be the only negative about the women is they're a little bit more intimidated when they when they enter into this contract right but by the end they they don't doesn't really get in their way does it well i i tell people you know just just this winter i think it was november where i had five women and we're talking there was they walked in the weight room and the stature of these, I bet they were all five, eight and up yeah. and 150 pounds to 182 pounds and pretty super lean, all of them. And they walked in and like the interns were looking, they're like, they're here to kick somebody's butt, <laughs> right? No, they were just coming to the workout, but the way they carried themselves, I was like, that's impressive. You know what I mean? You're just like, and, and they were all, they're all business. We're here to get this workout in. Let's go. And, and these were, all. these were probably, uh, postgraduate gophers, right? Uh, no, these were the girls on the team. Like, and there'll be probably a couple oh. Olympians in that mix. Right? Oh, <laughs> then I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I know yeah exactly yeah, yeah. who you're talking about. Yes. Right. So you're like, they're all business, man. They, it's, but that's the culture, right? Yeah. They're, it's, I mean, yeah, like the, you know, one, coaching all these seasons, but the one of the spe most special to me was the 40 and 0. Season. Yeah. You know, like Nora, Nora Raddy, Ratu, and uh, in the uh, undefeated season, like that was, that I, I, I was so nervous those last three, four games. <laughs> you just don't want to lose it, do you? Well, you're just like, this could be a perfect season. You just didn't want it to end any other way. Yeah. And not that all championships, right? Because I, I love winning. Like, I love winning. But that one, as a coach, I'm going, I was sweating more. You know, we're, we're in overtime against North Dakota. Yeah. Right? And you have, you know, Hannah Brand on the team. I think we are down by St. Cloud. I can't remember if it was two, but with, like, two minutes left and or three minutes left, and 
they're like, guys, we got to win this. They go out and I think they put two in to tie it up and won it. With, you know what I mean? Like maybe right in overtime or even before. I don't know, man. They put three goals in like four minutes or something. I don't know. It was crazy to win it to make sure that it was a perfect season. You know, they weren't thinking of perfect season at that time, but like this is the attitude they had. It was crazy. And you she's I mean? kind of Nora's kind of the kind of the the keystone to that whole team. I mean, she had just an unbelievable season. She was, she was the best goalie in the world. Yeah. Women. You know, she's the best goalie in the world. Hard. We, we could go on and on about individual players. What about the men? Just go back to the men training men. Uh, you mentioned to me that, that college players are super accountable. And I think you were probably referring to the college guys, probably college women too, but walk, yeah. walk through what the, what it's like training the men at the U. Yeah. I mean, you know what we, they, they train extremely hard. Um, uh, honestly, if you're, you know, they work so hard. It's, it's, and they hold each other accountable. You know what I'm saying? For, for the most part. Um, and, and that's the culture you want. You know what I'm saying? And the men's game's so competitive. Um, and the, the, the hard part is we, we may be a faster team. We may be a better skilled hockey team. Um, but the dynamics of hockey, you may lose to a worse team. That's just the way it is. You know yeah. I mean? Um, with all these lesser qualities because the puck went their way that day. And the goalie was great. You know what I mean? On top of that. And you may, you may lose 2-1, couldn't score. You know what I mean? Couldn't score anymore. So, um, but yeah, and with the men, you know, the some of them have egos. Like, there's exercises maybe you, you can tell a kid just doesn't like. And, well, you know, what's wrong here? And he's like, well, I just don't like this one. I'm like, no, you don't like it because you're bad at it. And once you get good at it, the ego seems to... You know, once he gets improves, like his ego seems to go away. So at first they're hard, but then once they see all the gains they make and, and it's tough, right? Because we, we, so pro hockey, I mean, some of these guys, you know, when, when, uh, Howlett and, and, uh, Nate Schmidt went to the cup with the, the Vegas, the first season, yeah, they think they only got seven weeks of training, right? Where, where the men's go for hockey players that they're in the off season, 20 some weeks. Yeah. So I, I, I'll tell you this much. If, if, a, if a man stays with me for three years, he will never be stronger. In better condition. Than, yeah. On that, than he was his third year, his third summer with me. Because, and I'm not saying that the strength coaches and the pros are bad. You just can't train anybody in season. Right. Because the schedule's so bad. You're, you're talking about just sheer numbers and days of days working yeah. out, right? Well, yeah. It's, you can't work out that much. So right. They, Schmidt got 35 workouts in where the go for hockey player and, and they, you know, I have Nate Smith's numbers from his third year. Now due to long, he might be as strong, but he, he's not much stronger than he was his, his third year because that third summer with me, Nate Schmidt worked probably had 130 to 40 off season workouts that were really hard. And then he goes to pro hockey. He only has time for 35 the, the year they go to the cup. And then he's back at the games, right? Yeah. And yeah. So that, right. So we're very blessed during that time frame that we have a lot of off. That's the, I, that's why I love college hockey because you have time to physically develop. That's one of the biggest. I mean, you just, you couldn't have hit the nail on the head right there. That's one of the biggest reasons people say college hockey is a great developer because you can develop your strength there unlike yeah. any other place. Because if you're playing 60 games in major junior or in the in – the, the travel. The travel, you cannot, you cannot get physically strong ever. 
No, no, you can't. And then the same with the pros, right? I mean, I, I have that heart and brainwave device that I actually track pros on and during their season and they, I would watch them and I'm like, dude, you, you can't train. You're too tired all the time because of the travel and 80 some games. Right. Right. And you know, there's just nothing you can do about it. We're college. You play Friday, Saturday, you get Sunday off and then you practice during the week and you can develop your game. You can develop your strengths. So yeah, it's, it's a huge deal in my, in, in my opinion. All right. So I got some more, uh, I call this, uh, this session, the Cal up close. Um, have you ever evolved? Have you thought, think you've, you've evolved as a coach looking back to your GA at the U back in the nineties to today? Yeah. I mean, that's what's that's different. Oh, it's different. Um, my knowledge base, obviously, yep. um, the way, yeah, the way I manage the kids, but, but the management is easier now because I don't have to sell them on what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I work with all these pros in the summer that come back. I, my name's, you know, guys go over to Europe and play and like the, the, the strength coach from another team will come up to the guy like, Hey, you played in Minnesota. Do you know Cal? And the guy's like, yeah, I know Cal. Of course I know Cal, right? Like, That's cool. you know, so, yeah, but so, so my name's out there and, and I don't have to sell myself, which is, that was always tough. Cause I hate doing that. Right. That, right. That's, that's tough as a young coach. I, I didn't want to sell myself. So, um, yeah, that one was always hard for me. I, uh, you know, and, and what's evolved is I, I, I guess the big thing is, is I, I have more efficient, effective ways and of managing people. And, and, you know, I've, I've just made myself a better communicator and, but the passion for me to find the newest things in the, the world, like I won't hesitate to, to jump on a plane and fly to another country to, if there's a method that I want to know about or, right. or, or pay a coach 250 bucks. I used to have to do that to have to pay $250 to talk to me for an hour on Skype. Well, then once I wrote the book and I became kind of well-known, then people are willing just to talk to me about it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So are you embarrassed like, like about anything that you used to do? Like you look down, like, oh, I can't believe I did that as a coach. What would that, what would that one thing be? Yeah. You know what? Um, I, you know, and as a young coach, man, I got this job at 26. So I guess the way I, I wish I would have communicated things a little bit wiser. Let me give you the one example, I guess that, that it was, gosh, I think it was, as soon as I got to the U and I mean, I had some female athletes, but you're sitting there going, I, I said to a guy, I'm like, ah, you run like a girl. And I'm like, Holy, sh Holy, what am I thinking? Like <laughs> I, that, my girls run great. Like, and, and you know, it's just a typical, like a typical line somebody would throw out in my younger years or something. Right. right? And I'm, I, I'm not even going to, I can't, I'm not going to say that anymore because like, what's that mean? Like I, my girls run like beasts they're animals. I'm, right. I'm going yeah, and that was, you know, 18 years ago. No one ever thought anything of it, but, like, something like that kind of, like, I was like, wow, man, I, I'm just aware. I'm just saying something, like, cliche, right, that that I felt, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And, I mean, I, I actually want some of my men to run like my girls. I'll yeah. be honest, my girls are beasts. You know, they're, they're, they're in beast mode. Like, I have girls that are so fast. And the funny thing in my field is, you know, you get these strong power lifters who say, oh, I can, I can make people strong. And I'm like, and a guy's like, I squatted a thousand pounds. You should let me teach you to be a strength coach. And, and I'm like, you can't even walk, chief. Like, <laughs> I, got a, I got a team full of women that will beat you to death in any agility drill that you ever want to attempt or 20 yard dash or 40. Like, they will just 
smoke you if you can even not pull a hamstring right right and that's beauty like you know i mean my i just like um i i, I can't say you know I, I might have pushed it a little too far sometimes is yeah anything, you know but everyone handled it i never had any cases of of, of problems um yeah and i i think you know i think there was one time where the 203 team got punished and and uh grant Petoni, great captain to this day doesn't matter who it is walks in i'm talking to paul martin veteran in nhl grant walks in and they're really good friends but you can just tell there's still respect from that whole team yeah when that when that kid walked in when grant walks in you know what i mean he was i still see it and they still talk about it when we get together that about you know how he you know did things as a captain you know what i'm saying so it's uh yeah it was it's pretty impressive to see um let's go through the new england patriots the, the way i understand it you you declined the opportunity to work for belichick after you interviewed well, with belichick walk through that process well uh, not so much it just didn't work out right okay so um yeah i i, I went out there and visited and did some work with them and then uh, you know um i was there and i ran into him and and then uh, later that year, they they asked me if I'd be interested. The position came open, and I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to name another NFL team. I actually did on the interview, like, why are you here? I'm like, well, it's the New England Patriots. I said, it's not the so and so team, right? And I, right. They all laughed, right? Like, it was one of the bottom teams in the NFL. Let's be honest. So I don't want to say any names, but and then I went out there, and uh, you know, I I was put in front of a two times a groups of coaches and uh, like. 15 coaches in the NFL and, you know, Bill Belichick was sitting in there and the questions he asked, I was overly impressed about what he knew. Yeah. yeah. There's things that he knew about sports science that I didn't think he would, should know. And you know what I mean? And that's, that's an impressive thing. So, and then, yeah. Um, well, and honestly, I'm, I'm glad um, I'm here at the Gophers because the one thing that I have at the Gophers is I have some autonomy in regards to developing myself. You know, um, I just got off the phone with an NFL team the other day on Zoom. And, you know, the reason they called me is because they, they work so hard and, and they don't have time to develop themselves like I do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then they're kind of, you know, honestly, Tony, they're, they're, they're shut down in their facility. So, um, last summer, I had four coaches from di- all, all over uh, different countries visit me, not only just in the U.S. Like, it was weekly I'd have coaches visit me to share ideas, you know what I mean? And you can't do that usually in an NFL training facility. No, 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 you know no, I mean? no. It's so locked down. You're a think so tank, U, right? Yeah, so the U for me, and and I appreciate the coaches and the, the, the reason, but the university, you know, has, has a, is a place where I was – able to be free to do to develop myself yeah you know I mean? and in and, that regard and not to pump your tires here but you are you're going to be the strength coach for the u.s olympic women's team in 2022 and the university of minnesota allows you to do that yeah and it, it, it works out really well and right i mean um to have that supportive administration to be able to do those things um i'm very fortunate my coaches um I, I, you know, it's just an experience to, you know, say, Hey, and you know, if I make it to the Olympics, I'm the national strength coach right now. And, and if the Olympics happen, yeah. hope, right. But you know, I would be very fortunate and that'd be something I'd love to say I did at that level to, to represent our country. 
be pretty at cool. Olympic Games, right? You're going, okay, that's that's a that's awesome. Um, it's you know, and I've had athletes go and gold medals. Uh, do I really do I have to do it? I just want it for the experience. It's not about for me a resume anymore. I, no. I'm not interested. Really, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think, um, you get to that point where resumes don't. To me, it's not. It's not even. It's not even a thought, right? You're just hoping to to get that experience and, and say, yeah, this was, this was pretty awesome to represent my country. And, and I, again, I'm not going to go over there and win a gold medal, but I have probably six, seven, well, maybe even 10 former players or eight former players that, that yeah. will go over at there. Least, and, at least, well, you know, I mean, you got a man, you got Kessel, right? Yeah. Danny, it's easy. You're just going, Oh man. Um, all these, all these people yes amazing pretty cool yeah and you know what they're hockey the beauty of hockey though is they're pretty awesome people yeah no doubt about that i'm fortunate that don and brad and and bob let me work with their teams and the fact that you know and and people say i put 20 years in and hopefully the university's grateful i'm like ah, they don't have to be grateful this university you know doesn't owe me anything i've worked hard you know people people you know here the young professionals like I hear him say, well, I work hard. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That, that's what you're supposed, supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. just right? Like, just like your dad did back in Ohio, right? He worked right. hard. It's I just... mean, that's what you're supposed to do. And you know what? In, in a coaching field, you know, next year, maybe Bob decides to retire and, and Brad gets another job that he wants and two new coaches come in and they come in and they say, we don't want Caldeets. And I'll walk out of that place and I will have no regrets. And, no. and it doesn't owe me anything. Like it doesn't owe, it helped me raise a family financially and help me blossom. And like that, the place doesn't owe me anything. Nobody there. I, and I don't want to party if, if I'm gone tomorrow. I don't want to party. No, or a go, right? maybe a go watch though. No, I don't. Yeah, right. Well, no, I mean, I got some gold. <laughs> like, I don't need anything. Like they've done enough for me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, yeah. Uh, and the, the friendships and the people. That's the that's the real that's payment, right? Oh, you right? I mean, man, the experiences to work with a Jay Robinson, you know what I mean, and all these coaches and and the the, the intelligence and the viewpoints that that they they've helped build Caldeets. You know, again, it's not, you know, Caldeets and make Caldeets. All these life experiences at the U did made you just yeah, right? you just you just glued them together, right? I'm tried. I mean, and I don't know if I pieced it right, but like that's that's the beauty of of um, all these things. You know, I I tell all my players, I'm like, look, man, and don't think my job when I first started here it was it was hard, and it's still hard at times, right? But you can it's all your viewpoint, right? I'm either I say you can either look at it like you're getting uh, crapped on or you're getting fertilized. However you want to look at yeah. it, it's all per, yeah. it's all perspective. Lemons, you know lemonade mean? analogy, yeah. same one, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah same yeah, thing. Yeah, it's good old lemonade, man. <laughs> yeah. I like yours better though. All right, yeah, so. Well. Here we go. I got some fun stuff for you. We're going to have a good time in in this next session. I call Who's That Player? So you gave me a few players to reach out to, and uh, for the lack of a term, we're going to roast Nate Schmidt right now, okay? Because Nate, you gave me two phone numbers for Nate. One worked, and one was his old phone number. So I did get a hold of the person with the old phone number, and here's what the guy said. (laughs) It's kind of funny. I sent him a note asking for a, a, a quip about, about Cal Dietz. He goes, sorry, but Nate changed his numbers a few years ago when he went pro and could afford something better than a boost mobile number. Try finding him on social media somewhere. <laughs> 
So oh, Nate never got back to us. So that's that's Nate's old phone owner. And I thought it was kind of funny. I'll have to delete that one. Sorry. <laughs> okay. The next one. These are mysteries. Now you gave me a few numbers. Um, this is this is one that I really thought that was funny. This one just came in the door. Here it is. It says this is this player, former player who you train says. Hi, I've been trying to think of an appropriate story, but here's one. His outfit, his outfits are always interesting. You absolutely never know what you're gonna get, and I can say that a few times. I've had to let him know his pants were on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that player? Well, I mean, it could be a host of them. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna wind it down to a female. Okay, right? yeah, because they would actually care. Yep. Um, yeah, my sweatpants sometimes, you know, you run from a meeting and you jump in the weight room and, all right, get my sweats on and let's go coach somebody. And you're like, yep. And all of a sudden, yeah, the, all of a sudden the tag's in the front, yeah. right? Uh, and she makes fun of me at the highest level. Yeah. Because, like, people will hear this athlete, I'm thinking, make fun of me at the highest level. And I think it's Danny Caranese. Am I right? No, you're not no? right. That's Lee Steckline. Oh, it was Lee. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we got one coming from Danny here pretty soon, so don't worry. Okay. Don't okay. worry. So we're going to switch gears here. I got to get down to this number. Sorry, this is all on my phone. I could be oh, better yeah, prepared. No. All right, so here's one. This is a good one. This is this one got my, my son's attention. I read this one to him. Uh, he writes, I'm going to have to keep this one PG-13. He writes, never get, forget my freshman year after we got swept by Alaska at home in the WCHA playoffs. We started 6 a.m workouts for two months first start workout was a 70 spot circuit followed by the famous four corners at Mariucci with a snorkel and a nose clip Cal yells don't you effing touch that effing snorkel if you have to puke puke through that effing thing Cal is a big reason I play in the NHL who is that player oh Howla? Howla. That's yeah. Eric Howla. <laughs> he, uh, that Finn, I love him to death. He is a beast of a human. You know what I mean? He just wow. blossomed as he got better. I mean, with yeah. each year, with each semester, he got stronger and better and faster, didn't he? It, it was his mind. That's that's it. There's no question, you know. And, and you know, he had that horrific knee injury. I, I don't recommend anybody looking it up. Um, from you know two years ago right and he came back and by the end of the summer his bad knee his bad leg was stronger than everybody's in the weight room <laughs> right really yeah which was still 20 percent less than his good one at one point but it was the, by then it was still stronger than everybody else's legs <laughs> in the weight room so yeah, oh, he's, insane. A, he's, a, he's a monster he has the will yeah, you know, eyes probably always, light up when he does something well because it's just uh, such a such a fascinating story coming over from Finland and just becoming what a heck of a player he became. Yes, uh, Eric is a special special. You know, you just hope that you can instill that in people. You can't, but that 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 will to succeed. It's he, he willed himself into the NHL. There's no doubt. All right, here we go. There's another player. Uh, 
One of my all all-time favorite stories about Cal is one time I was coming in to see him to get RPR treatment after I had surgery. Sounds like a fancy term. Of course, he left me waiting, and the first text I received from him was, "Hey, running late at the gas station. Do you want any sushi?" And it was that moment I realized how crazy he was. Because who in their right mind gets sushi from a gas station? <laughs> all, all jokes aside, Cal's an incredible strength coach and even better person. I'm constantly learning new things from him and even better, constantly laughing. And Cal and I know you're doing a great job social distancing from people right now. But I think it's about time you social distance yourself from the fridge. <laughs> No, that that one may be Danny with that's Danny Camries. Yes, she really roasted you. That was good. Well, you should hear her. Like people, people will walk in the weight room. Like I remember first interns first week, and she would walk in and say something like, "Hey there, fatty, you eat some bacon today or something like that, right?" And and they're like, you know, and my interns think I'm some coach that you know is I have this demeanor or whatever that they don't know yet, right? But right, and they're like. They're thinking, I didn't, I thought like, I thought you were going to lose it the way that athlete was talking to you. And I'm like, Oh, I, it does. You know what I mean? And then the interns are talking like that by the end of their internship. Right. But right. yeah, I'm just, yeah, it's just, um, she is a, another one of those things that you're like great family, great kid. I was able to watch her complete her dreams of playing the Olympics. Yeah. And when that, like you're sitting here going, that's a, that is me if my coaching career ends it's i've seen enough success stories that i'm happy uh, i'm i'm just pleased that i was a part of all those from lee danny nate schmidt you know i think nate was healthy scratch when he was started the gophers a number of games yeah and by his junior year he was unbelievable he worked himself so and and like that was the one he had all the skills in hockey and knew the game. He just never trained. And when he walked in, that's what happens, right? Like, he, I don't, did he get, was he a free agent? He was a free agent, wasn't he? Yep. And then he signed a contract. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, like those are the stories and, and things that you're like, wow, I, I, I was glad to be a part of their life. You know, and I don't, I don't expect anything ever from them. Um, it's just, you're just hoping that I made an impact in people's life. And, you know, I know people do bigger things than that, right? I mean, these kids have, have worked hard and they've, they've been given a lot of skill and they utilize them and I help them. Yeah. You know, where there's, there's doctors who sacrifice a lot to fix kids that don't, weren't given so much. But what, what I see now is over the years with all the, all the athletes I've seen, like I walked into a nice arena the other day and I saw an old track athlete. Um, his name was Nate. I'm like, Nate, how are you? And this kid's out 15 years. And yeah, he's like, well, I'm, my sons play hockey and, you know, and then um, I'm a president of the hockey association. And, you know, I own a company with like 12 people employed and, you know, I'm like, oh, wow. And he's like, man, I, I think back to the days when you were coaching us and the stuff you talked about. And I was like, wow. Yeah, I did have an impact, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think kids, kids, will, you'll have an impact on kids more than you know. And I, I realized that now over the years that there's some kids that actually needed you. And some of the conversations I've had with these kids about life stuff, um, I'm just, I, I, I don't know if I, I do do those justice. In that regard, to help them, I hope I do, but they they appreciate it. You know what I mean? I, I'm not like a counselor or anything, but 
Well, I, she I, said it there, you know, just a yeah. good guy and a better person. That's, that's half the battle is being the better person, right? I, yeah. You, you know, I, I, it's not hard, but you have to make the right, you know, the, the better person, you know, is just learning from your experiences and hopefully that we can keep moving everybody ahead. All right. I got about a handful of players I want to walk through that you had some, some contacts and work with. And, and the one that pops up for me, and this is fairly recent was, uh, you get this freshman kid coming in, uh, hot shot, Mr. Hockey award winner, Casey Middlestat. He goes through his combine and basically fails the combine by only doing one pull-up and now you have him literally weeks minutes week days later he's in your weight room what do you do and and what what's the success story there with casey yeah i mean i i was in colorado springs at a a national convention and in uh actually a hockey specific national convention and then i get all these texts and a picture of state or uh, casey doing the pull-up and and uh that one pull-up well what, what what actually was wrong was that he had a few things that were out of place. Right. And we got him to the right physical therapist that, that did some adjustments on him. And literally a few days later, he could do three, four pull-ups three. I think it was. Yeah. So he had an issue, a physical issue that was hindering from his muscles working correctly. So that he could do that pull-up. And then, um, by the end of summer, I think he was eight already. And then before he left, I think he did, 11 or 12 so you know he took some heat for that but when i actually saw the picture of him doing the pull-up and you could tell there was something wrong with his shoulder yeah people can make it up you know what i mean um so yeah i mean but casey man he had a great summer with me physically and i haven't seen him since but right that the gains he made i had it was pretty crazy um the amount of gains that he made especially in his leg strength and uh, upper body so you know and the then the sabers were all over you know you know checking up on him all the time and he 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 worked hard for me but again that's a culture that exists there because when you walk in that place you walk in my weight room everyone's working hard that's just not an option right right so even if you're lazy i can label some lazy kids that that worked hard when they were with me and never probably never set foot in the weight room again <laughs> And kept playing. Yeah. Or they'd go work out, but it would be light. You know what I mean? Because it's hard. It's heavy. It's very specific to what they need at that time. Maybe not even hockey specific, but very specific to what they need. And we move on to the next thing. And yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's the culture that, that is still there. You know what I mean? Here's one, Lee, who just roasted you a minute ago. Lee Steckline is one that you've often said is one of your greatest projects you've ever been a part of. Right. Um, Lee walked in and she was, she was tall, tall, six, I mean, like five thirteen or five twelve, <laughs> right? Maybe, women don't want to be over six foot sometimes, right? But, uh, so oh, you're five twelve, five you know, eleven and three quarters, right? Right, yeah. But uh, she, uh, yeah, when she came in, you know, the coaches told me she could be uh, hopeful someday for an Olympics, and they're thinking two out, I believe, is realistically. Like it just depends on her physical development, you know, whether she makes it. And Lee walked in the door the same, I think, the same day as Danny Cameronese, which was a completely different monster, right? Um, for development because Lee was long and lanky, and Danny had tons of muscle and everything, right? So Lee got so, I mean, her speed in the first summer was it was, I mean, the numbers, I think, in a 20 yard dash, she improved three tenths 
like in a 20, like in a 40, that's unheard of. But in yeah. shorter distance, her pro agility increased by like a half a second. So it's a really short drill with two change of directions. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. And you're going, wow. And, and this is all her. Like, I, I would like to say it was my special secrets, but she just got stronger. And then two years later, she had an opportunity to make the, the Olympic team. And right away. Out. Not two Olympics. Not, out, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I, you know, and, and, and I mean, this is what I was told. I didn't know what the USA hockey was thinking at the time, but, and then she made the cut and you're like, wow. Yeah. And, and you know, in my field, sometimes people think, oh, you need to progress people slow, but I, I don't know if Lee would have had the physical qualities if we progressed her slow, because in my training, we progress you as fast as we possibly can. Yeah. You know what I mean, and, and Lee did that. And Lee's a standout defenseman for the U S Olympic team now and a standout defenseman for the gophers yeah it's pretty amazing isn't it yeah and just a special special person um leader um great person just awesome awesome to coach her i've talked to you a handful of times and every time we talk about former players this guy's name pops up i don't know why you're just in love with this kid he's probably not a kid anymore but taylor matson's one of those rare freaks of nature yeah taylor matson and i i've trained some hard human beings right wrestlers i mean they're the best right i mean they're the years right you wrestlers and Taylor Manson is one of the hardest humans I've ever coached. Relentless, walk in with one hour sleep and train like his life depended on it. Wow. You know, and he did some things once where we caught his heart rate at 260 beats. And that's not safe at all. You know what I mean? Uh, but I, I tell you that most people will shut down by that point. And he had a, I think his governor switch was broken okay <laughs> right and, I, and his mentality though and so when he did that he was maybe in one of the best shape of his life and that's how hard he was pushing himself right this this test and i tell people i use the classic line if i called taylor Matson, i hadn't talked to him for three years i said hey man i found moby dick i got a rowboat we're gonna try to get him and he would be like i'll bring the tartar sauce <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> He assumes we're going to get him. There's no question. You know what I mean? And he'll be like, I'll, I'll be there in a few. So he would say it that calmly, too. And he was a great captain because of, you know, he was a great leader for Howla, uh, Bukestead crew, right? Yeah. Um, Smitty, the, yeah, he was a senior that year, and those guys were young, and they were, yeah, that was a great. He was just a captain that, you know, we have all types of captains, and they're always good kids because we got great kids to pick from but he was the one that that led by action there wasn't yeah. a whole lot to be said because you know what he was going to show up and he was going to bring it he's a third line guy you know what i mean um but you're just going he was the he was a hey I, I would say i would see a problem i would look at him i would look at the problem and he would go fix it yeah he would have a talk you know what i mean so I mean, how easy is that as a coach? Like the problem is, like the great ones. Like you just name a bunch of great kids. Here's my bad. Here's the bad thing about this for me. I didn't coach those kids that much. Yeah. You would it, tell them what to do, and they never needed coaching again. Yeah. So it was. So really, I was more of a cheerleader. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you with most of those kids, right? But I, yeah, it's beauty. But my program's complex, so you, 
when we change things, they need to be told, but then that's it, right? They, they get it. Yeah. You told me the story about the, the, the Mary, the famous Mariucci four corners run that he made that no one will ever duplicate. What, what was that all about? Yeah. It's a, it's an intense run where you run around the top Mariucci and every corner you run down the steps and then back up the steps. So you run, you do one lap and you end up going down and up four times. And it's typically done by, if you're in shape, like two minutes, 45 to three minutes, if you're really good shape, pretty elite, you're at 2.30. And that, that event that Taylor Manson got his heart rate to 2.50, kept pushing himself, he did it in like 2.09. And, and that'll never get touched, will it? Well, I had some world-class track kids that were, those fast kids try it. And like they could have run the top fast, but when you threw the steps in and that, the Mariucci steps that are so steep at the top. So when fans go in, yeah. notice how steep they are. the lactate that builds up in the acid burn in your legs are so bad. It slowed those world track, you know, those world-class kids down and Matson never slowed down during the whole thing. And when he crossed, like he crossed and his heart rate was 250, 260. Actually, he actually lost vision because when you get that high, like you get tunnel vision, you know what I mean? So he could only see big blurry objects and he laid on the ground for 17 minutes. And, you know, and then I called him that night and I'm like, Hey man, how you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm great. I'm great. You know what I mean? Just a beast. Next day he walks in, he's ready to train. I went like this, this resilience of this person was, was crazy. Yeah. It's impressive. Let's be honest. You call him that night. Cause you, your job security was potentially on the line, right? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're just going, is he really okay? Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Well, and then I tested him the next day and like all systems say go. And I'm like, it's like that thing didn't even happen. Like if, if I got everything like that, like, I, I would literally be out for a week just like to recover. You know what I mean? Just in that regard, any normal person and you're going, man, he's ready to go. Well, no session could be complete uh, talking gopher men's and women's hockey without bringing up Chrissy and Natalie. You don't, they don't even have last names, right? You just, you just say Chrissy and Natalie, and the whole state of Minnesota knows who we're talking about. Even the, the, the biggest women's hockey snobs know what you're talking when you say Chrissy and Natalie and what they right? accomplished at, at the U and what they accomplished in the Olympics and everything else. What was what, what your take when you get these thoroughbreds? I mean, this is Secretariat getting dropped off at the door. Right. Well, you 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 open up the barn door and, just and you get let out of the way, right? <laughs> yeah, you get out of the way. Like and and but here's the deal. I tell people if uh, like they were if you want to use dogs or horses, but like if you're sitting there and you open the horses that door, and you are have prettier, to, right? I mean, they're yeah, pretty. horses are prettier. Let's use if 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 you open that barn door and you have to say, you know, whip them and get out of the barn, you got problems. You should be standing there and they should be pounding on the barn door yeah. ready to run. And they were ready to run. Right. And Christy Wendell, who married, who married Johnny Poole, obviously. So it's, you know, Johnny's is, uh, Johnny is, uh, Christy Wendell's husband, basically. Right. Right. Who's a famous gopher yep. captain, great leader. Jeez. Great leader. Turn, you know, helped set the program for a decade at 202, you know, um, those two go for greats. And then, you know, with, with Natalie, Darwitz on that team with Chrissy, they, they, you know, they won those first two championships back to back and, and they set the tone for go for women's hockey Forever. You know, back then to this day. Um, they were, they were pretty, pretty special kids, right? Just awesome. Just awesome. I don't know, Chrissy, I did a pod with, with Natalie and I, 
you know, all, all the other things aside, she was probably one of the most humble people I've ever interviewed or come across for how much she had accomplished. I mean, she went into this story about getting a hat trick at the Olympics and she just was like, well, you know, I play on the same line. She's got that Minnesota accent. I played on the same line with Cammy Granado and Christy yeah. Wendell. I just sat on the back door and, and popped it in like, like she did nothing. Right. <laughs> what is it like to work with these types of world-class athletes who have so much humility born in, you know, you know, b- uh, born into it. I think that's what makes hockey great, right? The great people um, and working with those kids. And every time you see them, I give them a hug, man. And, and, you know, you see um, Chrissy now and she's got daughters and you're just like great mom. You're going, man. Yeah. These people with, you know, Natalie is, uh, she's such a realist too, right? She's just yeah. down to earth realistic. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I can't imagine what type of a coach she is. You know, I know she coaches. Um, you're just going, yeah, you know, I, I wonder how she she does that. And it's just, yeah, it's it's awesome to see. And just, hey, they're, to me, they're just great people. The rest of the world may see them as world-class hockey players, which they are, bar none. They're just great people. Well, I'm going to get to the last one here. This is probably the greatest athlete you've ever coached. Potentially, yeah, I think it's the greatest athlete you've ever coached. Uh, hard to argue it. And you you even went into some of how great of an athlete he was. This is Paul Martin from the University of Minnesota and and yeah. well-known. I mean, he, he, he had a toughest decision of all, whether he should play basketball or hockey. Walk through some of the stuff when you worked with Paul at the U. Yeah, well, um, and you know, I think – he broke Larry Fer- all of Larry Fitzgerald's receiving records up at Oak River as a right. receiver. So, and let's let's define athlete. I'm talking about skill oriented type of person, right? So we're not talking about a powerful, super powerful human being. We're talking about a person that could go out and play basketball and shoot threes right and left handed. You know what I mean? We're talking about an athlete that we would do a Russian plyo box, and I had him set up differently than most, and. He would take his first jump. It was awkward. Second jump looked really good. Third jumped like better than anybody has ever done it before. And and he never deviated that. And I'm talking that that progression would take people weeks to sometime get right the way we had it set up. And you're going, this, this, this guy just has it. You know what I mean? The level of physical skill ability that he had. And that's the reason he played so long in the NHL. Right? Yeah. And he by far the best all-around athlete I think I coached at the U. Now, there may have been some hidden athletes in there that I didn't see their full skill, but he was bar none with hockey players, you know, and, and I've had some greats from the Blake Wheelers to the Kyle Acaposos, you know what I mean, on and on to Thomas Vanek. Um, well, Thomas Vanek was really good. You know what I mean? He was t- – like, here's a classic model with Thomas Vanek. He couldn't dribble, couldn't play basketball, but he could score in basketball because he knew where to stand. <laughs> Just like right? hockey, right? Yeah, well, he played hockey and soccer. Well, and then we go play soccer one day, and man, he tore it up. I think he had four goals because that was his other sport. Yeah. And then we play a, a, a game I made up. I call it trash. It's kind of like ultimate football with a trash game. You got to get it in. And I was playing one day with the guys, and, and I realized the level. Like, Thomas had never played this game before. I'm running down. I make a move, and I just get past the guy, and I start to look, and the ball's right at my hands, and I miss it. And he starts yelling at me like he saw that was going to happen so early. You know what I mean? He'd never played this game before. 
Yeah. And, and he starts yelling at me. He says, get back on defense. You can't score. And then, then from then on, I was very aware and I landed some passes. But he was on the other end of one of those where I'm like, hopefully he goes. And I just threw it. And he made a move and he smacked it in the thing. And I'm like, this is why this guy is a $50 million athlete. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's the last question I want to talk to you about is you, you get right. the, you, we talked about this before about, um, the second contract, right? Uh, the, the, yeah. the, the, the first contract, you, everyone gets the first contract in the NHL. Then they work their tail off and they get to the second contract. And a lot of times they put it on cruise control. And then there's some guys who go contract three, contract four, and, yeah. you know, uh, walk through that process. And, and when you when, from a training perspective, the mindset that these guys have to have and to get to that that second contract or the third contract. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, you know, and, and, and like, this is across the board in every sport, you, you know, I, I talk with NHL NFL coach, you know, you get that first contract in NHL and, and like in the NHL, your first contract's minimal, right? It's the minimum, right. like you can get a cap, right? So it's whatever, it's a million something with whatever, but then there's big money and not that that's not big money, but then there's life changing money on yeah. the second and sometimes you have athletes in every sport that once they get that one, they don't train as hard what took them to get there. You know what I mean? And that's a mindset. That's tough because, you know, like Sugar Ray Leonard or Hagler said, it's it's hard to get up and do road work in the morning when you're sleeping in silk pajamas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It <laughs> Somebody is. Said that. It is, man. Or, and if you're worried about the, the thread count on a on a your bed sheets you're probably not going to go into the corner and dig pucks out like your life depends on it if that's what concerns you you know what i mean because you have to think about it in the nhl you got a 220 pound defenseman who who is nasty who will use his skate to cut your achilles if you got a chance probably right to feed his family and you're worried about the bed sheets now you're either a super skilled human being and like you're way ahead of that guy either way or your mind's not in the right spot. And it's, you know, and ultimately, on the, the day, it's your job to get them into the right spot. Let's hope. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I hope a kid walks through. My greatest fear is that I didn't service them well enough to help them reach their opportunities. Now, there's kids, and, and the scary thing nowadays, I'll be honest with you, I, I could give you a couple names that I truly believe have played themselves out of the NHL. Uh, they didn't even make it. Because they played video games till three and four in the morning every night. We can end the show right there, right? I mean, how many of them? 10, 15, 20? Well, I, I would say there's probably legitimately had the skill set. I would, I, I would say five that I thought could do it that have really gotten into like the video games. And, 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 and it's not the video games are bad. It's just that you don't go to bed at 11 and get enough sleep and they would walk in they, they I, I heard they were up till four in the morning training playing video games and they walk in for a workout and well I'll nap later i'll get caught up no 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 that doesn't work like that to be a professional right to be a professional you have to do things the right way and some people don't have to to be a professional hockey player but are they a professional right because I mean, you've got enough skill to be an nhl hockey player but are you truly a professional I'd heard you know freak of nature stories about Chris Chelios that he could do that. And there's like, again, there's one in a million like that, but the rest of them, like you're talking about, um, can't get away with it. Yeah. If you're a borderline player, man, and you're going to stay up till four in the morning and you don't get enough sleep so that you can do a great workout the next day and be spot on. Then, then you, you, you're not a true professional, right? I mean, 
that's you know with people in the special forces or in the police departments and and firefighters like they have to go into a building that's burning and you have to do use your training and do the right stuff all the time or you may not go home yeah right that's the thing and and you know some of these kids are so skilled that they can make it anyway and that's okay because you know they've been touched they've been touched and and blessed but i know there's ones out there personally know them that have made those decisions and they they just never reach their full career and that's pretty scary it's sad that it could be a video game sometimes it's it's booze or drugs but in this yeah. case it's it's a it's a video game you know and it's it's hampering right. their development right and look man it and then they say well i shut it off couldn't sleep till five right because there's these all these dopamine responses yeah and, and uh yeah that's what you got we could do a whole podcast on that yeah. whole topic. Well, we've spent two hours together, and uh, it seemed like 45 minutes to me. I, okay. I can't believe time just flew so much. Uh, as part of today's show, uh, Cal will get a gift from the Minnesotan sent to him. Uh, thanks to the Minnesotan again for their sponsorship of today's show. Make sure to stop in and check it out. My good friend John King says it's the best store in the world. Uh, Cal, I really appreciate your time today. It's been a, it's been a blast uh, hearing about your path and all the different players that you've touched and and all the different experiences that you've had in your career. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. Had a good time. Cal Dietz from the University of Minnesota. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you around the rink soon.